Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Wait, so Nick, your last name is Betts as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got to make sure because I am going to say your name. It's I don't want to. I was going to take my wife's name, but uh, she, for some reason, she wanted to take my name. I don't, yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. You know what? We're just going to get started right there. Our guest uh, <laughs> is, is Mr. Nick Betts. Uh, our first sibling or fa- familial guest mm-hmm. uh, is his brother, Matt Betts, was uh, a guest uh, a while back. Nick, thank you for joining this podcast. Uh, we we hope you have a good time. Thank you guys for having the me. next yeah. uh, three episodes. Yeah, looking forward to it. We usually kind of chat a little bit beforehand, but I'm just going to get into the nitty gritty and ask our initial guest questions. So, Nick, we always like to ask our guests the first week to give us just a little bit of your musical taste, so the listeners know who they're dealing with here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think musically, I basically, my first concert was a Ziggy Marley concert. Um, I had a friend uh, named Slinky in middle school that kind of got me into reggae. And uh, after Slinky that... Slinky sounds like the seventh Marley son. <laughs> <laughs> his, his aspiration was to be a Bob Marley historian. So um, he, he, was, he was pretty into them. And uh, as a result, yeah, I got into it. Uh, with that, had my brothers as well as other cousins that were in uh, groups like the Grateful Dead. So through high school and things like that, kind of got into that type of stuff and that pretty much set. You were jamming. Yeah. 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 That was sort of the, the main influence early on. I don't think as uh, Neil can kind of attest to it, it diverted much after that for, <laughs> for quite a while. Um, <laughs> Why? Don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel lucky to have seen a, a handful of those kind of groups, um, you know, around like the early 90s. And then like, you know, after that, I've kind of checked out whatever that bleeds into um, blues and things like that. My wife, Christine, I think has actually been a good influence in that she's gotten me to kind of like, you know, divert out into other things. She's a big David Bowie fan. More recently, we've seen groups like Shaky Graves, um, a group nice. called Shovels and Rope. And just, you know, yeah. good time groups that you can kind of go and, you know, stomp your feet to. So you, you were basically just in the haze from, like, 12 to 14 to, like, 30. Is that what you're saying? Like, you, yeah. you, you couldn't see past the fog. <laughs> there, was, there was a fair amount of time that I spent at, um, you know, places like Hampton Coliseum and things like that. that uh... <laughs> uh, okay, well, let, give me, like... I mean, you mentioned Marley. Did you run out and see the biopic this weekend? I I, I don't know anybody who did, but I I haven't yet. I mean, I, I I'm I'm always kind of curious about that kind of thing if it'll translate into what your impression of those people is, like yeah. from a historical perspective. For some reason, like the Ray Charles biopic, yeah. that I was completely fine with and I don't know if it's because I don't have as much like I mean I know Ray Charles tunes and stuff like that but maybe there wasn't yeah. as much of like an investment into mm-hmm. accurately portraying him so I don't know if maybe that's why I'm a little bit 
You were fine with the based on true events with the Ray Charles biopic. Not sure you'll be okay with the just based on true events with Bob Marley. That shit better be real. Okay. (laughs) Real quick, I got a call from my uh, my stepdad and my mom. They had just left the theater and were almost in tears. Frank was like, you have to see that now. It's so beautiful. It's actually got, I I thought the trailers looked horrible and it's gotten decent reviews and it actually made some money, so. Yeah. Or had a better week. I hadn't even thought about it until I got a tearful call from my stepdad. (laughs) So we do know somebody who saw it. Excellent. Um, Okay, so so Nick, it sounds like you've seen some live shows in your days. Are there like one, two, maybe three that stick out above the rest? Um, I think probably some of the times that I saw the Grateful Dead at RFK Stadium were like just being in formative years and everything like that and going to something like that and seeing upwards of 60,000 people kind of descend on an area all at once, especially the way those kinds of crowds were. But like I said, some of the, the more recent stuff too, I feel like as time goes on, just going out and being able to see something where like you can tell the band's really into it and they're having a good time. And Shaky Graves was kind of one of those examples where a group that, you know, is clearly into what they're doing and they're definitely oh, good yeah. at what they do. There's not as much of an attachment to their persona either. So I'm just kind of going and seeing how it goes. That part of it's really cool. So, so I guess you may have just answered my third question is like, we always ask our guests, like, give us, give me a band in like the last five years that you have gotten into. They, they could be new or old that you, you know, just hadn't heard before. And we're like, wow, I really like these guys and kind of listen to their stuff. Um, I did, I did go see uh, the Billy Strings group quite a few times yeah. this last year. And okay. uh, yeah, those guys are just, I think, natural talents. I mean, I, I don't really have a, training in music but just watching them play it was like they can obviously play very quickly being mostly like a bluegrass type of group but it was you know just watching them it was like man how do they even do what they're doing up there for as long as they do it (laughs) i assume it's pretty technical but that's pretty from a novice person so yeah i mean they do can play i mean he's bringing bluegrass to the mainstream uh, and getting pretty popular with it so uh, mm-hmm. kudos to to billy i'm not a huge bluegrass guy but as, as as i i think mentioned explicitly to neil in our last podcast <laughs> i've had several uh relatives and so forth kind of an aunt of mine at one point like when i you know explained to her i was in the bluegrass years ago she was like oh that's nice i kind of hate the sound of the banjo but that's great that you like <laughs> <laughs> good for you nick good for you. <laughs> uh, oh well Awesome. Okay. Well, Nick, uh, thank you so much. It's, it's going to be fun doing this. And, and also, Neil, welcome back yeah. to, to the pod. It's been, yeah. it's been a while since you, you packed up and moved east. Yeah. And now you're back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad uh, we're having Nick on. I haven't really talked to you in decades, so this ought to be yeah. fun. <laughs> That's <laughs> all on me. I apologize. No, no. So, it takes two to tango buddy <laughs> neil comes back and we have a little reunion i like it uh and neil also is is taking us to a land down under this week i think neil took us to the land of the kiwis a, a while back with crowded house uh-huh. and now he's going he's going back to that southern hemisphere well with this week's pick but just to to do something leading into that i, I wanted to ask you guys also i've always had this I've, I've known a couple people from australia and i always ask them this one question i'm like biggest rock band from Australia. And it's always, I'm like, Bee Gees, ACDC. It's got to be one of those two, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at, like... Bee Gees are Australian? Tame Impala, NXS, 
men at work, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed. I, I think those would probably be like your top picks. And then like your second tier is like Silver Chair, Wolf Mother, Air Supply, Little River Band, Jet, Cut Copy, Empire yeah, of the Sun. If you're going real deep, about Courtney Barnett. Oh, Courtney, good call, Courtney Barnett. Yeah, she's she's making waves. I do like her, but I think when you list all of those, it's, I mean, it's it's BG's ACDC, in excess was a little too short oh, yeah. run. Yeah. And then maybe Tame Impala. Yeah. I mean, he's not as popular as those guys, but. No, but in my book, that's the big three. ACDC, NXS, Tame Impala. Not Nick Cave and the Bad Seed? I, I don't know enough of Nick <laughs> I, Cave I don't to, know. to really I'm, comment. Yeah, we've talked about this before. We've mentioned that band so many times. I've heard about them so many times. How many people they've influenced, and I have never got around to I, I, I think the only song I can name is the one for Peaky Blinders, the, the intro song. <laughs> so okay well let, let's just ask you guys who are your top three out of that top tier and and, and in what order so if you say bg's acdc nxs tame impala men at work nick cave top three neil acdc for sure i think nxs and then um well i, I just kind of mentioned it tame impala i would probably take them over men at work so those are the big three Wow, not even throwing the BGs any love. Gotcha. Okay, uh, <laughs> Nick. Nick, what 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 about you? If, if you if you had to name three, yeah, it's the the top ones probably between ACDC and Men at Work. So I'll I'll probably put Men at Work does kind of have this nostalgic thing for me. So I'll I'll put mm. them at the top, and then oh, wow, um, okay, ACDC as well. Um, so I'll put them number two, and then. I, to be honest, when when you sent the message about this, I actually had to go and look up Australian <laughs> bands because I was like, I honestly don't know, and I was surprised how many groups were like, oh yeah, they're they're from yeah. Australia. So I didn't know Courtney Barnett was from there. She's she's definitely really cool. So mm-hmm. I could see putting her at number three. Nice. Yeah, I I looked up some lists too, Nick. Uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I didn't see the Bee Gees on there. I didn't know they were Australian. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, for me, like I thought they're like Swedish. <laughs> I think probably I, I'm I'm gonna go BG's one, okay, and then I'm gonna go ACDC, and then I would probably go just for personal taste, Tame Impala. So okay, so we're all a little different. Uh, all right, now if you could name one out of the the secondary tier of Silver Chair, Wolf Mother, Air Supply, Little River Band, Jet. There, there was another band that was high on the list called Midnight Oil. I don't know them. Oh, there it is. There's mine. Cut, There's copy, mine. and Empire of the Sun. <laughs> Midnight Oil is yours? Yeah, I brought them up uh, a couple pods ago. You're like, who the fuck is that? Okay, I'm still like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I don't even remember you bringing them up. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Nick? I, I, the funny thing is I I've, I've saw Midnight Oil on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid, and that's mainly the reason that I know of them, and I know uh, that they play the song that's like uh, Beds Are Burning, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so that's that's sort of my reference point for them. But I guess um, Little River Band sounds the most familiar um, just from like, I, for some reason... That's something I feel like I would have heard around the house or something. As a, Little River Band's like, we go dancing in the dark and reminiscing. It's like kind of cheesy 70s uh, rock. I, I would probably go Air Supply. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm going to go Wolf Mother because when they came out with that album in like the aughts, I really loved it. Went to see them live. They kicked ass. I think 
I, I'm like, I'm always like, what the fuck happened to that guy? That was the, one of the best rock and roll records of the last 25 years. I don't did you know, y'all hear that? No. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I knew of when when it came out, um, but I did I wasn't really into it. But I saw them like a year and a half ago at just like heaven, uh, in Pasadena. It was pretty awesome. They're good. Nice. They're kind of an afternoon act, and yeah. I was like, huh, oh, okay, Wolfman. okay, Get, getting okay. after. Just still playing that one album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> songs from the one album. Okay, well, speaking of having few albums, on that note, you uh, you were listening to Pod Gabe Rock and Roll too, and this week we are talking about going down under because this week we were talking about the band that everyone knows is from Australia, and that is Minute Work, and their song Overkill from their 1983 album Cargo. Written by Colin Hay and produced by Peter McEan and released on Columbia. I can get to sleep. I think about the implications of diving into deep. Nick already kind of brought it up with Men at Work. Just the nostalgia factor. Like when I hear this or any of their songs, I just, I'm immediately back in my mom's car, window down, back seat, sunshine. <laughs> Uh, just listening to Go 106 and Frostburg, some men at work. It's just a really cool song. Um, one of my friends brought it to my attention recently. Um, and it's one of those tunes, like if someone were to ask you uh, like quintessential 80s songs, this wouldn't come up. But it really is. It's so 80s. It's, it's really This wouldn't good. be one of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think it's great for a few reasons, like, it's not land down under. It's not uh, um, what's their other who, one? Who could, who it, be could now? it be now? Yeah. But it, I think it's just as good. It has all it hits all the same kind of really cool melodic notes and just it has a great sound. It, this this song in particular has a great little guitar solo, so that's really cool. And and the era appropriate sax they use, <laughs> and just I think. Men at Work is like universally um, approved sound. I've never heard anyone be like, fuck Men at Work. You know what I mean? They're mostly known for for bringing the Vegemite sandwich into the the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, And like, no one's ever going to turn. I've never, like, if um, one of their songs is on, no one's like, ah, turn this shit off. So Um, you're saying if if, 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 uh, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive comes on, you're you're all in? No, I'm not saying that. I did give that a a little listen. Um, But anyway, Overkill. Instantly became one of my favorite song titles I've never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, the most recent that I had, like, gotten to know this song, I guess maybe again was when it came on Scrubs or whatever, and I guess he was invited to be a part of the episode. And historically, yeah, I think we've got a older set of siblings that, you know, men at work, a lot of the... 80s bands, Duran Duran and all that kind of stuff was part of, you know, our growing up and that's what the older kids listen to type of thing. And so hearing some of that is like, it sort of transports you in a way back to some of those times, kind of like Neil was saying. And then, yeah, there's sort of an aspect to it that I just associate with the 80s. So I imagine people dressing like Don Johnson or something and going to parties, a lot of like whatever happened in the Wedding Singer movie, which was uh, pretty entertaining. And then, but there's there's a funniness to it that like, you know, like the song is really good. And at the same time, it kind of brings up all these memories or ideas about what the 80s were. That's true. So mainly that. And then, yeah, he's, 
His voice and guitar playing, I mean, anytime that, it seems like anytime somebody can take something that's, you know, produced or has a lot of bang behind it and then reduce it to like an acoustic guitar and be able to play leads over it and stuff. And it still came out really great, like the cover that you sent. So it was, it was pretty nice. Yeah. You know, I like this band, you know, again, I was super young, do have older siblings. I remember down under and who can it be now? just were played so much. Mm -hmm. And you know, his weird eye was just always, <laughs> you were like, yeah, is yeah. that the I, guy in the Hills have eyes? You know, like, I, but I saw that today. And for some reason it just made so much sense. It didn't even like, you don't I remember him in the, the music eye. videos. Well, I guess I did today when I saw it. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's but it, that For guy. some reason, it just seemed like part of his look. Well, they were all like, they were all like. <laughs> no pun intended. Well, but they were, they were, they were like the Australian Sultans of Swing. You know, they like, they were the, I mean, they didn't play the same kind of music as Dire Straits, but they all mm -hmm. kind of had that, oh. the headband and the like cut off mm -hmm. shirts mm -hmm. and the, you know, not super attractive human beings. Day after day, we are But I don't, I don't think I loved this song until I heard that Colin Hay acoustic album, like back in like 2008. And it, it might have mm -hmm. been from that, from what you mentioned, Nick, the Scrubs that it was on, because I did watch that show at one point. I don't love Zach Braff, but that's an, for another day. <laughs> it's a different pod. <laughs> I find the original recordings, musical arrangement, not something I enjoy listening to. It's simple. We did a, a Pogue song last week, and I just couldn't get past the music because it was just traditional Celtic, you know, kind of in a punk rock vein or whatever. But his acoustic version just shows you how good the song is because I would argue that Down Under and Who Can It Be Now, like if you, if you listen to all three of how they were originally recorded with the band, those two are much better songs. And if you listen to the acoustic versions of those three songs, this is so far above both of them mm -hmm. it's kind of um you know i don't i don't know if i've ever kind of we've ever done a song like that so so we the we like to talk nick like what is it a better song is it a better performance so i'm mean, like for me this is just a better song than the performance you know i think it's honestly i think it's probably because of that acoustic album he released and because of the you know zach braff playing it like in in multiple stuff of his this song has grown more legs over the years than the other two, even though they were bigger hits at the time in the early 80s. So I, I really just have a problem. I mean, with the, Is it just the, sax? the musical arrangement. Uh, yeah, ma ma mainly. And it, it's so bad. And then, yeah. <laughs> but lyrically and melodically, it's, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, just, I mean, the sex is cheesy. And even the beginning, it's kind of like, what is going on here? But then the payoff, when they drop in, you're like, okay, here we go, here we yes, go. I don't know what that was all the about. The sax almost <laughs> takes you out of the song. Like, I didn't, like, I, I'm not sure. Like, I think I forgot about this version of the song after hearing the acoustic version for the last 15 years. You know, so when I well, listened to you, it, when you first said it, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then he goes, and, dum, 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 and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. I get a version with that cut off? Well, the, you know what's even worse is it's also like one of those tenor saxes, like the uh, straight Kenny G. It, it does. I, every time I hear it in the song, I'm just like either Kenny G or like the cheesy like 90s sitcoms like with the transitions that SNL always makes fun of, mm -hmm. especially the mm -hmm. little licks in the chorus, you know, where mm -hmm. <laughs> they have 
like I can just, you know, now Urkel's talking to Uncle Carl about something that went wrong in the previous episode. You know, Laura did something previously. To him. <laughs> previously, next next week. I understand you said it was a good guitar solo, and it, it, it starts off decent, where you're like, oh, this is nice, nice little guitar. But then the, the, the guitar falls apart when it transitions to the sax, and then the sax is just like, oh, God, well, no. The guitar solo is over there. I know, but it kind of like the, the last like buildup to the sax is not great, I, I don't think. Mm, you're wrong. I'm wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what chime in here on the sax is, is is that nostalgic for you too or are you just like man i can't believe people thought this was good yeah i mean it, it sort of lives in both of those worlds for me where i'm kind of laughing at it and the same time you know it's sort of endearing so it's kind of like <laughs> i'm reminiscing and at the same time sort of like you're saying kind of like how did people dress like this and it seemed like it went into almost every album maybe that was produced around that time where that you know, sort of, I don't know if you'd call it overproduction, but just synthesizers, yeah. a lot of horns. And like, it makes me think of like Miami Vice for some reason is oh, yeah. what pops up in my head is just mm -hmm. kind of a very mm -hmm. polished, like everybody's, everybody's looking slick. <laughs> and, uh... it's, it's when excess goes <laughs> yeah. wrong, you know, it's like uh, if the right. motto of the 80s was like greed is good. It's like this for the sax parts, like greed is not good <laughs> yeah and i think i mean in general like it has all that stuff the guitar is soaked in a chorus effect and it's got all the cheesy 80s stuff but it was pretty early i don't knock them for it it's, it was just the time you know and, yeah. and it, it kind of all makes sense for the sound so i can get past it just for the melody that you were i mean i guess you can't but nick we've talked about like if you go back kind of history of rock a little bit in the 50s I think we, we kind of established a long time ago on, on maybe the Little Richard episode that the, the pace, the, the BPMs, it was so fast that most solos were just sax. Not cheesy at all, sounded great, awesome sax solos, and then they just like kind of disappear for a while until the 80s, and they come back, and they're just like, hey, remember that really good sounding sax they used in the 50s? Let's do something complete, way cheesier than that in all of these, all of these songs, except Carol's Whisper, I guess. But... Uh, and some, and some Tina Turner songs. And just kind of hold the notes as long as possible. or <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Okay, we can stop pounding on Peter McKeon and the uh, production. No, whatever, it's clean and it pops, but uh, not my favorite part of the song. So let's get to the good stuff. Basically, the lyric, I think, is standout, is one of the standouts. It, it's not the most complex lyric, but it is super tight. It really, I mean, he says it's about you know, stepping into the unknown. And he really does put you into, at night, like, I can't go to sleep. Like, you're there. Everything he says mm -hmm. after that is like, I'm, you know, can't close my eyes. I'm rolling around in bed. I'm just sitting in the dark thinking about whatever problems I have or or anything. And, and the whole song is just a very kind of concise summation of how that feels. And he does a really efficient job of doing that. Yeah, super cool lyrics, and just, it's funny that um, there's almost not even a chorus, you know, it's just, the chorus almost sounds like a bridge, and one thing about this guy, especially on his hits, is almost every line he sings is so catchy, like, he doesn't even, it, you know, you don't miss, a like, a banging chorus here. But what's, you know? what's, what's great about 
this vocal is, I mean, it's almost Orbison-like in how low he starts out. I can go mm-hmm. to sleep. And when, once he comes back to that same verse again after the musical breakdown, I got, <laughs> like, I, I'm not yeah. going to be able to hit that covering this. I mean, it's it's insane how high he gets. I thought it was a chord change when I was listening to it. And I'm like, no, he's just going to like a completely, <laughs> just going an octave up or maybe two. I don't, uh, yeah, probably not two, but... But, you know, I mean, like, he comes in, it's just all the decisions he makes melodically are very, very nice. Yeah, he definitely has a pretty amazing voice as far as, uh, for not knowing much about it, like, the way he carries notes or just the, it's not really, like, a raspiness of his voice, but it's, like, uh, the the tail end of, like, the notes that he carries out, it's amazing kind of how he, like, holds them, basically. It's not necessarily an opera type of thing it's like it's poppy music but at the same time he's got kind of like this i could see him almost being a blues musician i caught a couple of his interviews and just realizing he was from scotland i think and like i guess had moved to australia and stuff it's just kind of it's it's interesting that, like where he's where he's been and where he's come from and like what his voice sounds like and I think he talked in one of the interviews about how he adopted different accents along the way and stuff so yeah which is crazy cuz I I heard him speak as well and I was like whoa that's not australian like that's got to be mm-hmm. you know I probably thought irish but yeah that makes sense scottish but it's funny you mentioned Marley at the beginning because, you know, if you listen to these guy, this guy's music, not as much in this song, but it's very reggae-tinged. Like, I mean, his voice, if, if there is a comparison, it's it's Sting, right? I mean, they, you know, it's hard to kind sure. of escape that kind of uh, police sound, but it's all coming from, like, a reggae perspective. So a lot of his delivery is very reggae, like, if you think about it, because he cuts off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll throw some flourishes in, like, in that in that first verse, like when he first does it, if you, if you think about it from these guys were influenced by reggae, it, it makes sense how he's delivering a, a lot of the lines, especially even when he goes up, you know, like, I can't go yeah. Up and you know, to what you were saying, Nick, I think it's, it's almost his pronunciation and just the way the choices he makes on like, just the way he delivers the lines is very unique. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of what makes their sound so cool. Oh yeah, I mean, because again, the the musical stuff is is not what you're writing home about at this point. It's and he makes you even even listening to it 40 years later, and the music sounds very dated. Like his voice doesn't. It's still very impressive, and you mm-hmm. you still kind of pay attention to the words. And just getting back to the lyric a little bit, the words that he chooses are very well thought out like i mean to, to to rhyme throughout the song the implications the complications situations exasperation desperation variation like mm-hmm. you don't yeah. find a lot of stuff outside of like really top line lyricists where you're finding four and five syllable words that you're rhyming throughout the song that is not a common practice yeah in, yeah. in like pop music yeah and the tag doesn't rhyme with anything it's almost like a throwaway. It's just overkill. And, and you know, until, until the end, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, really hits it. And what is overkill? All of the thoughts. I mean, it's just, it's too much. Okay. Overkill is just, it's it's yeah, overkill. Well, like I know what it is. But, yeah, I, I guess it's just, it's uh, overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, but, you, you know, <laughs> it's just overwhelmed. What if the song was called Overwhelmed, Neil? Would that be the better? <laughs> no. Especially at night. Just that. 
But one of my favorite parts, I mean, speaking of what he does with his voice, I love the, um, at least there's pretty lights. I love that part. Well, especially, I mean, but just the whole descriptive nature of, like, when even that's, I think that's the second verse of, like, you know, alone between the sheets only brings exasperation. It's time to walk the streets, smell the desperation. At least there's pretty lights and little variation. It nullifies the night. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, anybody, I think, can relate to that in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to find somebody who has, you know, never had problems going to sleep or never woken up at night and worried about something. It's just, he just really, he sums it up again, so tightly in really very few words. Cause it's verse, second verse. And then he repeats the first verse again. And then, like you said, you have that little bridge chorus, you know, which <laughs> mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. the saxophone just ruins for me in the original. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it is it's, it's nice i mean it, it's basically it goes to six which is you know kind of what you would do for a bridge and the ghost appear and fade away the comeback another day is you know a little cheesy but well, well. right before the the sweet solo <laughs> <laughs> from a lot melodic standpoint you know just to go to that kind of so Neil, would you do you think that was written on a, ba- a bass? No, I don't just... think so. It's just the classic muted '80s, you know, hitting the one with the eighth notes. Yeah, and I mean that's part of the whole charm of the song too. Like that's a very simple poppy way to just kind of make a song have more impact, and they they used it mm. for sure. Yeah, and it, it's not a bunch of chords, but he does go like you know, it's a one to a five. And then he goes to a flat seventh to a four. And that's just kind of the verses when that flat seventh is really nice. I can go too sweet. You know, that's kind of a, a really nice, nice flow there. If you guys had like a favorite lyric in the song, what, what do you remember from the song, I guess? I think the one that kind of probably had me thinking the most was the, like you said, the, where he talks about the implications I'm not sure if he's talking about the implications of whatever his problem might or might not be, or the implication that because he's thinking about it, now he's going to be up all night thinking about it. <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of definitely as time goes on, I'm kind of like, I, I have those nights where I'm like, if I don't sort of get to sleep in a certain window, you know, and yep. the stress starts taking over you get to a certain point where it's like the implication now is I'm about to sit up straight and I may as well go downstairs and like watch TV or pick up the <laughs> guitar or make a French bread pizza or something. Cause I'm definitely it's, not going to lay down and go to sleep. right now. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's diving in too deep. You know, it's, it's the cycle yeah. of anxiety. That's that's why it's such a simple way to kind of sum up. Like I, I'm somebody who has anxiety just in general and, it, that's how it, it is like you start thinking about something and then it's just yeah. and then you're diving in too deep hamster wheel circle yeah yeah you know <laughs> flat <laughs> circle <laughs> <laughs> yes especially at night neil time mm-hmm, is a flat mm-hmm. circle only at night for some reason that's the line i'm always singing uh think about the implications that that's the song like the line i leave with from this song what, what about you neil well, I mentioned it. Uh, at least there's pretty lights. I mean, it's kind of like a breath of air. He's like, oh, Jesus, at least there's pretty lights. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's a fun little part of the song. And and the melodically, it's 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 such a kind of release right there. 
you know, out of just a bump, bump, bump. But he does follow that with, uh, and though there's little, little variation, so he's he's not really giving you much much room. To... <laughs> yeah, they're just pretty light, but they're all the fucking same. <laughs> it nullifies the night. It's overkill, Neil. The light pollution is overkill. This is actually a secret, echo friendly, uh, minute work song. He's thinking. He's thinking in the future, climate change. Uh, that is a lesson we learn uh, when we go down under with minute work. I will say I like about the production is I do like the the background vocals that they're doing throughout the verse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like pretty much every line, there's a uh, oh uh, <laughs> it's very yeah. um, tribal kind of. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, I think it it has that uh, '80s you know cheese on it, but there's a lot of good stuff going on there. If if it was kind of if it, if it was produced now, I think you'd have a different. Uh... I think it'd just be an acoustic song. And I think yeah, it'd kill. Yeah, it'd, yeah. It'd, it'd get him some Grammy noms. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of fun facts. I mean, this did reach number three, which is insane. Yeah. I think I listen to this album and it's, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it starts off with Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. And then this song is the only one I really know other than the It's a Mistake, which is also one of the acoustic ones that he he did. But mm. I don't think I'd ever heard any of the other songs on this album. And I understand why after <laughs> listening to it today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about you, Josh. I, I dipped into the rest of the album and I, I was. Uh, was it, it was just a pleased. dip. And then you're like, oh, too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> uh, well, let's 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 <laughs> hop out of the water and, and, and start vibing and get to the fun part of this podcast. So, Nick. This is when we get to the vibe time portion, and I don't know if Neil prepared you, but we ask our guests to 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 set the vibe for us, which is like you know I'm gonna just say Nick, bring us into vibe time in three, two, one, and then you just you can say something, you can hum something, sing something, make a noise. I don't care. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so Nick, uh, bring us into the vibe in a vibe time portion of the podcast in three, two, one. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Did you hear? It? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We got it. We got it. We got it. Okay, Neil, it's it's your <laughs> oh, song. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, uh, when specifically do you want to hear Overkill? Well, apart from traveling back in time and being back in my mom's car in the '80s, which I can't do, um, I think I vibed to this recently. I was uh, driving across the country. Listening to this uh, in New Mexico, you know, going a cool 88 miles an hour down the road. Um, and you couldn't go to sleep. A, you literally couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> through a stormy desert, just me and Murphy, just uh, rocking out to a uh, minute work. And uh, it, it was a good listen. Nice. So going fast down the highway in the middle of the desert. Okay, okay. I, I'm going to say that I don't want to hear the original uh, version of this uh, ever again. Uh, but the Colin Hay acoustic version, I think I'll probably put on the headphones the next time that I can't go to sleep and uh, start thinking about the implications and whatnot. Nice. <laughs> Nick, what, what about you? When specifically do you want to hear Overkill again? I, I hadn't listened to it in quite a while, actually, and um, it's been kind of good as like driving music to and from work, and it's kind of, you know, the, I think as, as you guys were saying, you know, there's... Um, 
there's a moment in there where it is kind of like, at least there's pretty lights. And I think that part of it um, is helpful, you know, at this stage in life, so to speak. So it's, you know, I can relate to that. Absolutely. It's almost like you're listening to it on the way home from work to like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to nip this in the bud right now, like four hours before I go to sleep. Like, yeah. I can't go to sleep right now. I'm going to get the mood right now, so by the time it's, it's time, I'll have all of that out of my system. I like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a hopeful turn on a long uh, work week, maybe. Well, another thing you can do when you're coming home from work is stop at a happy hour. So that is going to bring us into <laughs> our uh, – we're going to slide under the influence here and talk about the influences we hear in this song, like before, after, during, if there's a song that you like that sounds like this. I'll get us started here. I mean, I've named a lot. I mean, I think, uh, you know, The Police and Dire Straits, for sure, remind me of, the sound reminds me of that. Um, But I feel like those are more contemporaries. So the reggae kind of delivery I mentioned. And for some reason, this might be a stretch, but I feel like there's a connection between, like, this band and songs like this and, like, Vampire Weekend. Uh, to do something yeah, yeah. a little more modern. Nick, what about you? What do you hear in this song? I, I kind of I like your reference to reggae. I mean, I think that's something I hadn't considered when, you know, kind of revisiting this, but it's definitely there. They definitely have sort of, and I don't know, like the beats and, and that kind of thing very well, but like there's definitely that I don't know if reggae is like an upstroke type of thing. Like there's, you know, it's, it's a different type of rhythm than like, I guess your, your four, four type of stuff. And that kind of like just choppy type of rhythm sometimes is, I don't know. I've always kind of gotten into that. That's a nice aspect of, I think most everything men at work is done or Colin Hay. So. Yeah. I, and I would add like, even though I don't like a lot of musical instrumentation, all of it's creative. You know, they're definitely, like, mm-hmm. trying shit to make the song, you know, to give it more flavor. And and what they're trying is all creative. It's just, just kind of up to the ear whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, yeah. Neil, what about you? Well, uh, definitely Dire Straits. I mean, I feel like to the novice, people would be like, Salton's a Swing, Land Down Under. Yeah, it's all the same band, right? <laughs> you know? Same I mean, headband. Yeah. Same headband. <laughs> same headband. Um. And then, you know, I I don't see much prior. I'm sure there is plenty of influence prior. But one thing it really reminds me of um, is Fish, but in a specific album, Rift. Like, I, I really just, even the way the guitar solo comes in and is played, it kind of gives me some, some Trey vibes. And even listening to um, the rest of the album, it is so freaky and weird. It, I was getting some heavy Fish there. Interesting. Nice. I could see that. I, this this could be like a, a, a I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it. I was gonna go with their Stonehenge. It, it could be like a little their little Stonehenge, Stonehenge. cargo. Yes. Cargo yeah, is minute work. Stonehenge and then and you know dire straits work. land down under. Yeah, cargo. Uh, <laughs> experts here, experts. Well, I mean, speaking of similarities, you know, it's uh, speaking of fish. Actually, whenever I hear fish nowadays, I, I just want to slide under the covers. And, and, and if it's playing, I, I, I can't go to sleep. But so let's slide under the covers and talk about the covers of this song. Nick, did you hear any covers of this song? Well, I listened to a few different ones. I kind of mentioned that one. I think the guy's name is Marcelo Colunga, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, 
Matt had pointed him out to me of doing some other covers of Phil Collins and everything. And when I looked up covers on YouTube of this song and he came up, I was like, well, I got to check it out because those guys uh. have have a nice, unique sound. But I feel like when they when they try to cover a group, they vocally and at least like the guitar seems to really cover the song really well. So I enjoyed That's that the one, one you sent us, right? Yeah. 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 That, that was yeah. really well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think I also saw a cover of the guys, I think the guys from 311 um, covering it, uh, which was much slower and not quite the same pace and intensity of the original. So it didn't rank as high, but those two I were definitely see that. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, there's a lot of those style. covers. I, I wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder if sublime has a cover of this. No, absolutely not. Find. Uh, <laughs> I I only listened to I only found one. It was by a band named Laszlo Bane, and it was just late '90s alt rock. I mean, he comes in at the end to do the last verse. Uh, Colin Hay does, but I, I did not. Oh like really? It. Yeah. Colin Hay. I didn't even get that far. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kept it on. I didn't want to. Colin well, Hay was there. <laughs> I, I I listened to that version, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not for me, and it's much slower. Like this song needs that driving tempo. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's see. I sent you guys that choir, 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 which was really cool. I did uh, not did expect everyone to, to start singing with him, oh, but man. it sounded awesome. Yeah. 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 Just to hear yeah. like 100 people in a little hall kind of backing up Colin Hay. That was really cool. And unfortunately, like they're really other than like versions that Colin's done. Yeah, well, that was That's basically really... a version that he's done. And it was yeah. so good because like when they would, they would be like, I can't go to sleep. And then like he would be like, I can't go. Like he would come in halfway mm-hmm. through. It was great how they orchestrated mm-hmm. that. Just sounded yeah. fantastic. I would I would say yeah. if anybody likes this song to listen to that version especially. Yeah, I want to check out. Do they do that a lot? Is this choir, choir, choir a thing where <clears> – <throat> I did not follow up, it. but I mean, yeah, it, that would be that would be cool. Seemed pretty cool if they if they did that like a, a um, what's the uh, Tiny Desk series, Choir Choir mm-hmm, Choir series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but maybe people associate it with acapella for some reason, and they're like, nah, it didn't take off because of the acapella <laughs> aspect. It's brilliant, but it has like four views, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there were three of them that are ours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's going to bring us to the shoe fitting portion of this uh, podcast. So, Neil, how does the shoe fit for Overkill by Colin by by Minute Work? <laughs> well, it fits very well, and I did some research. I mean, I I wanted it feels like an '80s tennis shoe, and I looked up what was popular in Australia in the '80s, and it's a Dunlop KT26 Ooh. that looks like a Reebok, but it's a Dunlop. <laughs> And uh, from my Reddit research, it was like the classic Australian dad shoe. So that's what I'm going with. Was it Dunlop a, a baseball card? Wasn't that like a... It was. I think they do everything. Tires, yeah. baseball <laughs> cards, <laughs> dad <laughs> shoes. Dunlop was just throwing shit at walls in the 80s. They were like, like greed is good. Let's get what we can. Slap <laughs> a logo on it. Oh, Nick, what about you? How does, how does, how does the hilarious. shoe fit for, uh, for this song? I, I kind of went down the same road, so I, I don't mean to steal, but it, I was almost thinking like a Vans loafer of some kind or, you know, some type of checker loafer that you'd wear with 
Again, the Don Johnson yeah. outfit. I hate to but, keep bringing but it we're back But we're definitely no socks, right? Like, we're no socks in this logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Like we got, right. like, a, yeah. there's, yeah. like, a tan line Headed. from the bottom of the cuff to the top yeah. of the loafer. Like, yeah, yeah. Your walkabout vans. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going on a boat somewhere. <laughs> you, like, have one of these thing, those things that they give you when you're under house arrest. Like, that's that's the tan line. They're like, why are you tan there? Um, I, I, this, this song, for me, it... It's it's like a, a shoe that I wanted, and then I got as a gift. But then I'm like, Ugh, I hate the colors. So then I return it, and then I I find that I love the, the like acoustic version the of the basic. I, I'm like, whoa, the basic version is so much better than the one that's like colorful and going for all the money. So uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I, that, that's how that's how this that's how this song fits, fits for me. Um, so on that note. Uh, our cover of Minute Works Overkill. I can get to sleep, think about the implications. Diving in too deep Possibly the complications Especially at night I worry over situations I know we'll be alright Perhaps it's just my imagination Day after day it reappears Night after night, my heartbeat shows the fear Ghosts appear and fade away Alone between the sheets Only brings exasperation It's time to walk the street Smell the fear and desperation Least there's pretty lights and Though there's little variation Nullifies the night From overkill Day after day it reappears Night after night my heartbeat shows the fear Ghosts appear and fade away Come back another day
can get to sleep I think about the implications Of diving in too deep And possibly the complications Especially at night I worry over a situation that I'll be alright It's just overkill Day after day it reappears Night after night my heartbeat shows the fear Ghosts appear and fade away Ghosts appear and fade away The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple um, or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week, it's your week, Josh. What are we going to talk about? We are going to fill a, a, a large hole in the Pod Gave Rock songbook and talk about the who baba o'reilly can't wait